Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. When it comes to sweet treats, ice cream is a classic. A hot fudge sundae, a banana split, a double-dip waffle cone. You won't catch me turning any of these delicacies down. But as much as I enjoy a pint of Ben & Jerry's, there's one dairy connoisseur that I will never be able to compete with. His name is John Harrison, and he was born to eat ice cream. In 1880, decades before John even existed, his great-grandfather opened two ice cream parlors in New York City. Later on, his grandfather created Tennessee's first dairy co-op. His uncle founded an ice cream factory in Memphis. His father operated a dairy ingredient company in Atlanta, Georgia. So when John was born in 1942, he basically had dairy in his blood. As he grew up, John loved a vanilla cone just as much as the next kid. But his appreciation went beyond what you might call, well, normal. You see, John helped his dad out at work by tasting various milk products, and it soon became clear that he had a particular talent. John had such a discerning palate that he could taste the smallest differences in dairy. For example, he could eat a spoon of ice cream and determine exactly how much fat it contained in the milk, down to a fraction of a percent. But despite this bizarre ability, John wasn't sure that he wanted to join the family business. As a young adult, he considered a career as a lawyer or a doctor, But according to him, he felt that God was calling him back to the dairy industry. In 1980, he submitted an application to Dryers, which was the biggest ice cream company in the United States. Three days later, they offered him a position at their headquarters in Oakland, California. John's title was the head ice cream taster. Now, before we move forward, I know what you're thinking. Eating ice cream all day sounds like the greatest gig ever, right? But it's not as easy as it sounds. His job was to ensure quality and consistency. The flavor, texture, and distribution of the ingredients in every batch had to be perfect. If something was even slightly off, it was John's job to say, throw it all out. And when you're dealing with thousands of gallons of ice cream, making that call is a huge responsibility, one that John did not take lightly. Naturally, he took a lot of measures to make sure that his taste buds were top-notch. First of all, he always ate off a golden spoon. That's because wood and plastic gave off a residual flavor and silver would tarnish. During the week, John kept to a strict diet. 
He avoided onions, garlic, spicy food, caffeine, and anything else that could alter his tasting abilities. He never smoked or drank alcohol, either. Every morning, he had a cup of decaffeinated herbal tea to cleanse his palate. And when John got to work, he stood in front of a lineup of about 60 different ice cream flavors. He dipped his golden spoon into each one, placed the dessert on his tongue, and swirled it around in his mouth for exactly five seconds. Once he determined whether or not the batch was suitable, he spat it back out, took a sip of lukewarm water, and moved on to the next one. So, no, John was not ingesting gallons of ice cream every day. He could have if he wanted to, but he chose to save his cholesterol levels instead. John retired in 2010. Over the course of his 30-year career, he estimates that he tasted and approved about 200 million gallons of ice cream, but he rejected quite a bit as well. In 1990 alone, dryers had to give away about half a million gallons of subpar ice cream because they didn't meet John's high standards. The following year, 1991, the company spokesperson told the LA Times, and I quote, John's tongue is so crucial to our business. Which is why dryers actually took out an insurance policy on his taste buds. During his time at the company, John's tongue was insured for the incredible sum of $1 million. That's what I call having expensive taste. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career. And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We all know that famous and powerful people can be a little, well, eccentric. Benjamin Franklin was a big fan of air baths, which just meant that he liked to sit naked in front of an open window on a breezy day. Queen Elizabeth I almost exclusively ate sweets, to the point that her teeth rotted out of her mouth. Vincent van Gogh swallowed yellow paint, Albert Einstein refused to wear socks, and Madame Marie Curie kept radioactive test tubes in her pockets. But there's one world leader with a particularly interesting quirk, one that he believed could change his country forever. Fidel Castro was obsessed with milk. 
His love for dairy knew no bounds. Regular milk, yogurt, cheese, it didn't matter. Castro wanted it all. He often took down as many as 18 scoops of ice cream after dinner. Once, the U.S. government tried to assassinate him by spiking his daily milkshake. He survived, of course, but he started making others taste test his desserts. Beyond just loving a good bowl of froyo, Castro believed that milk could save the Cuban economy. You see, after he rose to power in 1959, the country was in a state of despair. More than half of their food supply was imported, so when major world powers stopped trading with them, malnutrition became a widespread problem. Cuban people were starving, but Castro had an idea for how to fix that. He wanted to breed a special fleet of livestock to feed the nation. In his mind, there would be thousands of these so-called super cows, and they would make millions of gallons of milk. In the mid-1960s, Castro assigned government scientists to make it happen. They interbred two different types of cows, the Cebu, which was native to Cuba's tropical environment, and the Holstein, a Canadian breed known for its high milk production. Sadly, though, there would be no convoy of super cows. The scientists only managed to create a single one. But what an impressive animal she was. Born in 1972, her name was Ubre Blanca, or White Udder in English. She was the apple of Fidel Castro's eye. At a time when most Cubans didn't have climate-controlled homes, Ubre lived in an air-conditioned stable. She was protected by armed military personnel, and all of her food was tested on other animals in case someone tried to poison her. To make her four daily milkings more comfortable, calming music was piped into her stable. And all of this luxury paid off, too. On average, Ubre created about four times as much milk as a regular cow. In 1982, she produced 28.9 gallons in a single day, which was a new world record. Clearly, she was special. Castro called her the nation's great champion. When he met with diplomats, he was always talking about his prized bovine. Sometimes he would even bring foreign dignitaries in to meet her in person. That's because Ubre Blanca was more than livestock. She was a symbol of Cuban ingenuity and abundance. She became a sort of national mascot, once having her image printed on postage stamps. Ubre Blanca had a few calves, but none of them could match her high milk production. It seemed that she was a one-of-a-kind miracle, and no matter how hard the government scientists tried, they couldn't make another cow like her. So, when she fell ill with a life-threatening tumor in the mid-1980s, Castro was distraught. Knowing she would likely pass away soon, he called for her eggs and other genetic tissues to be harvested and kept for later research. Ubre Blanca died in 1985, but Castro ensured that she did not go quietly. She received military honors, a full-page obituary in the state newspaper, and a eulogy written by the poet laureate of Cuba. A giant portrait of her was hung in the National Library, and a marble statue of her likeness was installed in the town where she once lived. And, as if that weren't enough, Ubre Blanca's embalmed body is now permanently displayed at Cuba's National Cattle Health Center. Her legacy will not soon be forgotten. At least, not if the Cuban government has anything to say about it. In 2002, it was reported that Fidel Castro was attempting to clone the supercow using DNA harvested in the 80s. Whether or not the project worked is unknown. But the whole idea is utterly curious. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. 
I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.